Hallelujah. Praise God. Are you happy to be in the house of the Lord today? So good to see everybody. It's been four years. We live in America. We haven't been able to be up here. Are you blessed today? Why don't you stand to your feet for just a moment? Hallelujah. So excited about what God wants to say and do today. How many of you came expecting God to speak to you today? You know what? Uh, God moves in an atmosphere where there's people hungry. There's three parts to every service that you're ever a part of, and that is there's a God's part, there's the minister's part, and then there's the people part. I've come to find out that the people have more to do with what God can do than any of those three parts. Because everywhere Annie and I go, we're the same minister everywhere we go, but it seems like there's some places that God just seems to pour out because that's what God likes to do. So it's always interesting to me to see what makes the difference of some churches that we go to where it seems like God does the maximum potential of what he's capable. But then other places, it seems like he can just do a few things. And I have come to determine that it's the people's heart's desire, their openness to want to receive. You know, I I was ministering one time and I heard the Holy Spirit say this, that the only way you can properly hear the word is with the intention of wanting to do it. You know, we, we got to get beyond just getting more knowledge because knowledge just puffs up. But when you receive impartation from heaven and you receive the word with the intention, Lord, I want to I do life with you. Hallelujah. Now, I, I believe today is just going to be a day of us endeavoring to follow the Holy Ghost together. Amen. You know, there's an amazing thing that's going on in this room even right now. You think about where the word says one person can send a thousand demons to flight. Two can send 10,000 demons to flight. Well, if you continue to do the math and you think about how many people are in this room. Come on, somebody. Wherever two or three are gathered together in his name... Jehovah is here. So we're in the same room with God. But what enables God to do what he wants to do is when we bring our faith and our supply of the Spirit and say, you know what, whether I need something or not, I'm, I'm here bringing my supply and bringing my faith for anyone else that has a need in this room. Now, today, we want to just endeavor to follow the Holy Spirit. Is everybody okay with that? Is this the kind of church that we're in today where you put a high premium on the word, but you also endeavor to do everything possible to flow with the Holy Spirit? I found out without him, we can do nothing. How many of you found that to be true, that without him, you could do nothing? But I remind myself, but with him, all things... All things are possible. Now, I want to remind some of you, it's okay if you stand for a few moments. I'm going to be the one standing longer than anybody. There's something about you standing for just a few moments. It's kind of like you're in in God's presence at attention. I was uh, leaving a place of business, getting in my car, and I heard the Holy Spirit say this in my spirit. It just came up, and I knew it was Him because I wasn't even thinking anything close to this, but the Lord said this. He goes, many times people come into my presence 
with shame and regret for some sin that's in their life. Many times people come into my presence with some type of shame or regret for some sin that's in their life. And the Lord said, just in my spirit, he said, what disappoints me more than sin is the lack of awareness of who I am in them and who they are in me. You know, 1 John 2.20 says, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Everyone say, I have an anointing. Say, the Spirit of the Lord is in me. Now, in case you haven't looked at Galatians 2.20 in a while, it says this, I've been crucified with Christ, the anointed one. I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I live, but Christ, the anointed one, lives inside of me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, are you ready to have your socks just blessed off? Are you just, my favorite translation says this. I now consider myself as having died, and I'm now enjoying a second existence, and that's Jesus using my body. Everyone say, I'm living another existence. Jesus is using my body. Say, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. Respond, please, if this is you. If you're in this room and you've got any pain in your body right now, just lift up one hand. You got any pain? I see hands all over this room. You can put your hand back down. The anointing is about to flow into you. Now, like I said, we're endeavoring to just to do whatever he says. Just like Jesus on the earth, he says, I only do what I see my father do, and I only say what I Hear my father say, we're endeavoring today, this whole entire day, is just we're going to hear, see, and do. Everyone say, hear, see, and do. Now, there's a reason why there was that many people, why the Lord would have me ask you that, and that there was that many hands. Pastor, did you see how many people had their hands up? They have some kind of pain. The Lord wants to demonstrate himself right now. He wants to manifest himself right now. But I wanted to first let you know, how much anointing is in this room? Because you're about to lay hands on these people. I said, you're about to lay hands on these people. Because in a moment when they lift their hands again, those that are around those people, I want to invite you to turn around or reach forward, and I want you to put their hands, your hands on them. And here's what Mark chapter 16, verse 17 says. In my name, those that believe, didn't say those that are Christians, you can be a Christian and not be a believer. But those that believe in my name, they'll lay hands on the sick, and it says, they'll, it just means be well. Recover just means be well. I like that better. Recover sounds like a process of time. What God is saying, you lay hands on the sick, they'll be well. They'll be well. So you're about to be well. Now listen, the anointing is in you. Everyone's saying the anointing is in me. Say, I'm a believer. believer. Say, I can activate the power. Now, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, especially, 
when you got filled with the Holy Ghost, dunamis, dynamite, explosive, mighty working, miracle power moved on the inside of you. So how far is your miracle? It's right on the inside of you. Are you all here today? I have a friend named, uh, well, it doesn't matter. Anyways, we were, we were in the back room getting ready to come out to the service, and we all, a bunch of ministers were laying, uh, just uh, holding each other's hands, just praying and being a final agreement before we went out to the service. And Annie was holding on to this one minister's hand, which we know him very well. And he's got an extraordinary an anointing for healing, and he knows how to activate the power of God through his hands. And while we're praying, Annie felt power go out of his hand and into her hand. And when we got done praying, Annie turned to this minister and said, did you do that on purpose? He goes, yeah, I was just wanting to know if you noticed. Meaning, while we were praying, he just said, you know what, I'm just going to release some power right now into Annie. And then Annie felt it, and then he said, or Annie said, did you, did you do that on purpose? He goes, yeah, I just wanted to see if you'd notice. <laughs> we have more anointing. We have more power. We have agreement. The anointed one lives inside of you. We got to go away from shame and guilt, from things that's happened. We got to... We got to come up. We got to come up. Come on, church. Let's come up. Let's stop thinking about what we don't have, what we can't do, and let's think about, let's start thinking more about who he is in us, who we are in him, and start taking our place like we're supposed to. Amen. Amen. So those of you that had pain, you said you had pain, lift your hand one more time. And those around these that are lifting their hand, I want you to just reach out, put one hand on their shoulder. Just put one hand on them, and let's release. Let's activate. Let's activate. In the name of Jesus, the church is being the church, Father, and you commissioned us that if we would lay hands on the sick, including those that have pain, they'll be whole. So right now, we address any pain in anybody's body right now, and we say, pain, you go from them now. In the name of Jesus, we activate and we release by the authority of the head of the church in the name of Jesus. Be whole right now. Be healed in your body. And pain, you must go right now in Jesus' name. Do you agree with that tonight, today? Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Now, let's just praise him for a moment that you've received. Let's just praise him for a moment. Let's just thank God for a moment that all pain has gone. All pain is leaving. Yet you're free from pain today because that's part of your redemptive covenant. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, let me ask you right now. It's a little difficult to see, but I, I think I can see you pretty good. If you can already tell a difference where you have pain and you can sense that it has significantly changed, lift your hand. You can already tell. Yes, I see hands all over. Amen. Well, I'll tell you what, as we heard from our our spiritual dad, Kenneth E. Hagan, he said, keep the switch of faith turned on. Expect, because hands have been laid on you, hands have been laid on me, I know the healing power is finishing what it started to do. Can you say amen? Lift your, lift your hands one more time. Father God, we bless you today. Thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you, Lord, for Impact Life Church and for the families of this place. We are so grateful to be in your presence, Lord. And we, we thank you for what you're going to say, and we thank you for what you're going to do. 
And thank you for your faithfulness in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that, would you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Like we, I mentioned, and let me get that one bottle from you. Uh, it's been almost four years since we've been with you. And uh, it's interesting. I was so excited about getting here and uh, because it's been a while. And, and uh, I think this, this ministry and the housing family, the whole family, is, is some of our, I mean, they're like on the top five of our favorite families to be with. And I am not kidding. I am not kidding. You are so blessed to have the housings in your life. But I'll be honest with you, I kind of thought that when we got here, we would have preferential treatment and that uh, they would do everything they could to, to be with us because people like to be with us when we come into their town. And uh, because uh, we're, we're here to drop off things spiritually. And uh, so I was um, texting back and forth with Pastor and come to find out, you know, we were, we were going to try to get together for yesterday to maybe do a lunch and a sound check or dinner and a sound check. He goes, uh, no, that's not available. Uh, we can't do that. And I thought, oh, okay. Well, maybe we'll do dinner and, and then sound check and, and all that. And so later on, we communicated again, go, uh, no, dinner's out. No. I thought, what is going on? I said, well, I'll just go past, you know, Pastor Joel, and I'll talk to Pastor John, who's, you know, just making his way from, what, Slovakia? Okay. I said, because, you know, we're tight, Pastor John and I, we're tight. And so I'll just reach out to him, and I, I know I'll at least be able to get together with him. And so I said, well, you know what, uh, they're, they're not going to get back till like, late tonight. So um, that wasn't going to work, and then uh, we know they needed to rest up on Monday after our, such a long trip. I said, well, let's get together on Tuesday. He goes, no, that's not possible. I thought, what is going on with the housing family? He goes, no, we can't get together. I thought, it's us. Kevin and Annie, we, we're like some of your, well, we are, we are your favorite traveling ministers next to Marty Blackwelder. I mean, we, we know what, what rank we're, we're in here. And so uh, I said, you know, what is going on? So, uh, you know, got done with that. And so uh, what I didn't know is there's some protocol around here. And there's some high security clearance. Maybe you all don't know about this. I'm here to enlighten you. And it's called children. It's called grandkids. Because Pastor John said, listen, Tuesday is the day I'm with my grandkids. So I don't care if you came all the way from Orlando. I'm with my grandkids. I mean, that's not exactly how he put it, but that's how I felt about what he said. He said, Tuesday is grandkids day. And, and so, you know, Pastor Joel's like, nope, lunch is out. Nighttime, babysitter, got to put the kids to bed. So he, he did show up here last night, and, and, and we had some time together. Yeah, huh? Sweating, yeah, sweating. But I, I just thought, you know what? I didn't know the whole protocol of how. So next time, I think when we come here, we need to bear gifts for the grandkids. And, and like, you know, prepare a way for us to be able to get connection with the main people, you know. And I think it's through the grandkids is, is the way this all works. That's what, anybody else find that out with the, the housing family? Anyways, that, that's, that's what I'm going to roll with. That's, that's what I'm thinking. It's really good to be with you again. And uh, I believe today is going to be such a significant day. We got words from heaven. I, I'm just curious. It just came to my mind. Uh, did you all, it's been uh, an interesting time since last time we're, we're with you. Uh, have you all heard anything about COVID-19 up here? <laughs> Because I know it's been so long since we've been here. We, we don't get out much. And uh, so uh, there, there's been some things that's been happening in the world. 
Now, I'm trying to be, uh, you know, a little bit funny about it, a little bit cute. And, uh, you know, it, it's something that almost we, we don't even like to talk about much because we're so done with it because there were some major overstepping. There were some miscommunication. Uh, and uh, when we were told to follow the science, uh, I'm still looking for the verse that says follow the science. I haven't found the verse anywhere in the Bible that says follow the science. Now, now people say, but now, now slow down, Brother Kevin. We're supposed to use wisdom. But the thing is, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the Bible says, yes, get understanding, get wisdom. By all means, get wisdom. But then God still says, now don't put your faith in the wisdom of men, but you should put your faith in the power of the Holy Ghost. You say, well, what do you do with wisdom? Well, real simply, it's the same thing you do with money. You know, Jesus said in, in, in Matthew's gospel, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and mammon. It's not that you're not supposed to have money. How many of you have full revelation, you need money. Come on, don't be religious out there. How many of you know you need, how many of you know money will help you? The Bible, I, I don't have full revelation on this, but the Bible does say money answers all things. You need money. But we're not to serve money. You're just supposed to have it. And more importantly, you're supposed to manage it. So what you do with money is the same thing you do with any wisdom, and that is you manage it. There are times when the world will try to get you to think a certain way, and they'll put, they'll, they'll, they'll kind of put the blanket of, well, it's the wisdom thing. But there's some times that we are challenged by God to not go according to natural route, natural means, but to put more faith and put more trust in the power of God, because the power of God will supersede anything your mind can figure out. And I am glad I'm in covenant with a God who can do more than my brain can figure out. I'm glad that God is the God of the impossible being made possible. And sometimes the foolishness of the things of God confound the wise. And, uh, you know, can, can I just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not here as a messenger from America. I'm here from, from the Lord. But the church as a whole, family, failed some tests in a colossal way. Because I found out that there was a lot of people that had more faith in a piece of paper over their face than they had in the name of Jesus. I found out some people had more faith in some kind of a covering of a mask on their face than they did in the, the name of Jesus or the blood of Jesus or the atonement that was purchased for us or your covenant. Even in Deuteronomy, under the old covenant, there was all these things, plagues, diseases, viruses, all kinds of things that could possibly come to God's people. But God said, if you'll hearken unto my words, if you'll obey me, he said, I will not let any one of these things come upon you. And then at the very end of the chapter of Deuteronomy 28, he said, and anything that's not named here, you're also redeemed from. Yes. 
That means COVID-19. That means the R2-D2, uh, you know, Cyrus XYZ, what, whatever you can put a name on it, God's word, the authority of God's word under the old covenant. He said, I have redeemed you from all these things and everything that will come. Well, if that's the old covenant and our new covenant is established upon better promises, it would have to include the old plus better. So why did people have to shut down? Well, the government got involved. Well, the Bible says, according to what the instructions of God's word, he said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. I'm bringing this to your attention because God wants to challenge you today. He wants to build you up. He wants to uh, encourage you, and he wants to confirm some things because you're going somewhere. You're going somewhere. There's a place you're going to. And uh, we can't have old wineskins. We need to have some new wine in these temples. Everyone say new wine. Say God's doing some new things. I want to read you some what I call last day victory scriptures. Is that all right if we preach you happy today? Anybody mind being happy? Do you like being happy? There was a lot of churches that had to shut down for a while temporarily, even though God says, forsake not the sending of yourselves together, because there were some things that we didn't know really what was going on, right? So we, 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 we all agree on that. At the same time, uh, governments around the world overstepped our rights, even to the point of you can't even park outside the church and have an outdoor service. But you could meet at Home Depot on aisle 7. So I know some churches just wanted to move their congregation to aisle 7 at Home Depot. Because evidently the COVID doesn't know about aisle 7 at Home Depot. I'm just saying. It's the smartest virus that we ever encountered. I mean, it's literally brilliant, that, that, that COVID virus, because, I mean, because you could walk to your table and get the COVID, but once you sit down and take your mask off, you're free from the COVID. I mean, how smart, how intelligent of a virus is that to know if you're walking or sitting at your table? But there's a lot of churches that had to shut down. But there was one pastor down in... in uh, Lakeland, Florida, his name Rodney Howard Brown, who's now in his almost his 1100th service since COVID started. It's called a th- over a three-year revival having church every day. They call it the stand. Now, he got arrested. The local sheriff came in, put him in handcuffs, and took him to jail. And then later came in and majorly apologized for overstepping his rights. As a result, Rodney Howard Brown went from 4,000 followers to 4 million followers in a month. And, and may I add, all giving offerings and started to tithe to him. 4 million followers. 
They astroturfed their parking lot and covered the whole thing. Now they have outdoor revival meetings every night. See, the devil really meant for some bad things. You all let, launched a, a, a live stream television ministry basically during all of that. Isn't that right? Were you on live stream before COVID? You, okay, but your, your presence, your footprint got larger. Well, that happened basically. But what, what I was going to say really quickly, because I want to get off this because i got so much to impart to you. But because of the, the weakness of people's thinking and where their heart and trust was in God, many leaders in the body of Christ had to shut their doors for a while because of the lack of revelation of what we have in him. Because if pastors didn't shut down, the weak ones would say, you're not using wisdom. Because we are about wisdom. No, we're about the name, the blood, the covenant, and that the, the fact is, he said, forsake not the sending of yourselves together. And we have power, we have faith in the power of God. Amen. Amen. So we were challenged. And we have found out that what we were preaching, people aren't hearing what we thought. You know, just because you look as good as you do this morning, how many would you say amen? <laughs> just even though you look spiritual and you're sitting here and you're receiving the word, we can't assume anymore you're getting it. Because we found out there was a, there was a tarp pulled off the church and we found out they're not getting it. Are you all here today? Are you okay with what we're... We want to challenge you to be the victorious church. Because listen, the devil is under our feet. Now I want to read you these scriptures real quick and then I'm going to get into what God sent us here to do. And it's exciting. Here's some of the scriptures that I, I just stirred myself up on. It's in John 14, 1 through 4. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Amen? John 16, 31 through 33, an amplified classic. Annie and I are now on the sixth floor. We're in our 60s, so we seem to like the amplified classic now. Just saying. It says, Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Do you believe at last? But take notice the hour is coming, and it has arrived, when you will be dispersed and scattered, every man to his own home, leaving me alone because of COVID. Yet I, no, I, I just added that part. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you have tribulations and trials and distress and frustrations, but be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, be certain, undaunted. Everyone say undaunted. For I have overcome the world, and I have deprived it of the power to harm you, and have conquered it for you. Now, the word undaunted means not discouraged or disheartened. 
but resolutely courageous, brave, undismayed, not faltering or hesitating because of fear or discouragement, not shaken or forced to abandon your purpose. You know, the, the enemy thought he was going to cause us to abandon our purpose. But the devil had no idea the church is on to it now. The church is wiser now. Uh, I believe we're going to take a greater stand next time because there will be a next time. Y'all hear me? There's going to be a next time. And uh, so here's what I want you to realize about the enemy. Because the Bible is clear in Isaiah, the 14th chapter, of what you and I are going to say when we finally see the devil for who he is. This is what the living Bible says in Isaiah 14, 15. It says, but instead you will be brought down to the pit of hell, down to its lowest depths. Everyone there will stare at you and ask, can this be the one who shook the earth and the kingdoms of the world? Can this be the one who destroyed the world and made it into shambles, who demolished its greatest cities and had no mercy on its prisoners? The kings of the nations lie in stately glory in their graves, but your body, Satan, is thrown out like a broken branch. It lies in an open grave covered with the dead bodies of those slain in battle. It lies as a carcass in the road, trampled and mangled by horses' hooves. So when you actually see the devil one day for who he really is, you're going to look at him and and you're going to say, wow, he's nothing but roadkill. Everyone say roadkill. Say the devil is nothing but roadkill. Are you enjoying these scriptures? You You want a couple more? Let's go. Now, this is one of my favorites because, like I said, government's gotten involved. The church is smarter now. We're we're learning to take a stand. We're realizing how to put faith in the power of God. We realize we have constitutional rights. We're not going to put up with some things next time we go around. Psalms 2, 1 through 6, Passion Translation. How dare the nations plan a rebellion? Their foolish plots are futile. Look how the power brokers of the world rise up to hold their summit as rulers scheme and confirm together against Yahweh and his anointed king saying, let's come together and break away from the creator. Once and for all, let's cast off these controlling chains of God and his Christ. God enthroned. Are y'all ready? God enthroned merely laughs at them. He laughs at them. The sovereign one mocks their madness. Then with the fierceness of his fiery anger, he settles the issues and terrifies them to death with these words. I myself have poured out my king on Zion, my holy mountain. Everyone say the devil's under my feet. Say he has no authority in my life. He has no authority. The devil has no authority over my church. Say the devil has no authority in my home. Say, the devil is under my feet. The greatest power on earth is not money, as some would say. It ranks below the power of God. Hallelujah. And if we put our trust in him, the Bible says in Jeremiah, 
If you'll put your trust in God, there's a lot of good things it says will happen to you. But he that puts his trust in man, it lists some bad things. Jeremiah chapter 17. If you don't put your trust in the Lord, don't put your faith in God, bad things happen. But thank God, those that do believe and put their trust in God, blessings will flow to you. You know, we're in a, a time of different generations and different cultures, like we've never seen it before. Can you say amen? Look, look if you would, to Joshua 1.8. There's a, an event in the Word of God, and you know where uh, Moses and Joshua and Caleb wanted to lead his people to a place of abundance, a place of great uh, provision, if you will, where all of their needs would be supplied, and their life would go from the 400 years of bondage where they had to serve and build for Pharaoh, God rose up Moses to be the deliverer of the children of Israel. And after a while, how many of you saw the movie, uh, The Ten Commandments? Uh, four of you? Did that movie not make it all the way up here? What, what's going on? Uh, but there's a movie out called The Ten Commandments. It's about 50 years old. I don't know how... But I was always amazed. You know, Hollywood doesn't quite always get it right. But I really liked when after all those plagues that came, because God used Moses to come up against Pharaoh and says, if you don't let my people go, it's going to get really bad around here. A lot of plagues came because Pharaoh wouldn't let God's people go. But eventually he gave in. But it showed in that movie as they're leaving, it showed them on these old creaky carts and they, they got the blind guy and, and they got the person with the cane and, and you know, people, you know, looked ill and feeble. And, but the thing is, the Bible says that when God's people left Egypt, it says that there wasn't one feeble one among them. And not only did, did, did they leave in health, but the Bible clearly says that they loaded them up with treasures because, listen, we don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. We can't go up against God. So we, just to make sure you're gone from us, we're going to give you all kinds of stuff to make sure you get as far away from us. So there wasn't any feeble one among them. And they left with all kinds of riches. But God was wanting to bring his people to a place. Everyone say, there's a place. God wanted to bring his people to a great place of provision. And uh, in the time that we're living in, you know, there's been uh, the millennials, gener generation X, generation Z. Uh, what's uh, what generation, what, what's another one? The, over, the boomers. I see you out there. I see you out there. And then it's not necessarily a generation, but you got the woke people. You know what? Uh, there's always different generations. You know, I know I heard with the millennials, then their number one fear the millennials had was if they lost power on their mobile devices. That They, they surveyed and found out that the the biggest concern they had was uh, losing power. And I thought, I wonder how many Christians filled with the Holy Ghost get concerned about being a court low of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. 
get, get a little concerned about not being charged up. You know, Ephesians says, be not drunk with wine where there's excess, but be being filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, you can be more filled or less filled, and you get to be the one to determine how full you want to be. But in these different uh, times in life and these different generations, there was a time where God was wanting to lead his people into Canaan and into the promised land and to a place of great provision. But God instructed them in in Numbers to to go and scout out the land and sent Joshua and Caleb and 10 other spies, so there's 12 of them, went into this land to, to, to see, well, is it everything that we heard about? Found out there were great cities. There was a great wall. There, there, was, there was a great harvest, you know, and you might have seen the, the Joshua and Caleb bringing on a pole, those big, large grapes, you know. You might have seen that before. And so all, all, all that God wanted for them was right in, in sight and in reach, and yet there was 10 of the 12 spies that came back and go, oh, whoa, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. There's great walls. Well, God knew that. God wanted to take those people to a place. God's wanting to take you to a place. I said, God's wanting to take you to a place, both individually and corporately as a church body. But there was something that happened where 10 of those 12 spies came back and go, oh, no, we're, we're not able. I mean, there, there's giants in the land. Yeah, there's this, there's this, there's great wealth, but there's no way. And so God was was disgusted. He was disappointed with them. In the 14th chapter of of Numbers, God even said to them, listen, because you didn't believe me that year when we left Pharaoh and we left Egypt, because you weren't willing to take the land that I gave you, because you held back, because you didn't trust me and believe me, everybody from 20 years and older in the next 40 years, you're going to die in the wilderness. Well, we've always had different times, seasons, generation, cultures of people who did trust God and those that didn't trust God. But here in Joshua, have you found it? Here in Joshua, everyone say, God's taking us to a place. And say this, and we're going to go there together. Look at verse 16 in Joshua, the first chapter. So they answered Joshua after Joshua said, hey, we can, we can do this. Get yourself prepared. In three days, we're going to go in and take the land. And it says, so they answered Joshua saying, now listen, these are the people, the younger people, that were tired of being in the wilderness, all right? He said, they answered Joshua saying, all that you command of us will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we heeded Moses in all things, so we will heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Verse 18. Whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words, and all that you command him shall be put to death, only be strong and of good courage. So these people said, Listen, here's how strongly we feel about obeying God now that we've lived in the wilderness and we had to live without. If there's anybody here among us and they say they don't believe and they're not going to go in with us and possess the land, we're going to get rid of them and we're going to kill them. 
That's some people that said, hey, we've seen when we trust God and we've seen it when we haven't trusted the Lord, but we're not going to be of that generation X, Z, Q, whatever, woke. We're not going to be like one of them. We're actually going to make a decision in the Lord we will trust. In whom we will trust, we will serve the Lord. Because there is a place that God was wanting to get the people to. And so God is preparing and getting you ready to go to a place. Can you say amen? amen? Congratulations on your new place coming up. It's amazing what faith and money can do. It takes both. And where you're going... It's going to require more of everyone. T.L. Osborne was at a church, and he said, you ought to be glad you're in a church with great financial need. And they looked at him like, what are you talking about? He said, because God is going to have to prosper you to meet the needs of the church. Hallelujah. Are you ready to go into your promised land? Are you ready for increase? Are you ready for God to multiply you? Now, now if you would... Turn to Genesis, the 22nd chapter, and here's something very important we want to make mention. I was with a pastor at a golf tournament back in uh, January, and this pastor mentioned something to me in the car as we were driving, and uh, when he said it, it just stuck to my ribs, and and it's like the Lord was saying, you're going to want this, and you're going to need this, and so I, I didn't know for sure what it was. And then later on, the Lord told me, this was for you, what I'm about to minister to you. And that is, there's a place, there is a place of great provision. And when God sends you to a place, there's provision in that new place. In our lives right now, it's time not to be adrift. It's a time to be led by the Spirit. It's a time, just like the children of Israel, when they were in the wilderness, they were led by a cloud by day, and they were led by a, a pillar of fire by night. And as long as they followed the Lord, and everywhere they went, there was always provision. And there's a lot of people that get stagnant in their faith because God has given you a word, or there's maybe something that he's been trying to uh, get to you, or he's been trying to speak to you. And just simply by not acknowledging him and being willing to go with him, you, you don't come into the blessings and the provisions that God intends for you to have. Thank you for your enthusiasm. God bless you. <laughs> but we're in a time now in the last days. It's imperative that you and I, we learn Jesus is still speaking Right before he left, he said, there's many things I want to say to you, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit back to you. He's not going to speak of himself, but whatever he hears me say, he will say unto you. And he's going to guide you, and he's going to speak unto you, and he's going to declare some things unto you, and he's going to show you things to come. Well, that was the intent of Jesus when he sent back the Holy Spirit to be in your life and to show you and lead you to places in God and physical places where your provision will be waiting for you. I remember uh, Brother Hagen, I believe it's Acts, the ninth chapter, uh, where uh, uh, Paul is on, his, on the road to Damascus, 
and an angel of the Lord appears to him, and he's struck blind. And Jesus says, why do you kick against the pricks? Why are you persecuting? You know, Paul had letters written to have people killed, which I find it interesting that later on we find out that Paul said, I've offended no one. How do you have letters to have written, have letters written to have people killed, and then you said you have, you've offended no one. And the Holy Ghost said he had a supernatural short memory because he's also the one that said, forget those things which are behind and press towards the mark, the prize, the high calling God in Christ Jesus. The Holy Ghost gave him a command, forget those things which are behind. I think he had a supernatural short memory. So there, Brother Hagen talked about one camp meeting and back in the 80s, the Holy Spirit highlighted this verse where the Lord said to Simon, he said, go into the city and when you go into the city, it will be told you what to do. There's a lot of people that God's wanting to speak to you and lead you and guide you to places where until you get there, it, you won't hear what it is the Holy Spirit is waiting to tell you what to do. Because where you're going, there's going to be greater provision than you have ever seen. Thank you for your enthusiasm. The next church is going to absolutely love this, I'm telling you. But let me, let me just say it again anyways. Where you're going, there's going to be more provision at Impact Life Church than you have ever seen up till now. It's the way God does things. So you all know one of the most, did you know there was a movie out on Abraham? You know, when we, when we think about some of the events, and Annie and I like to call what you would say stories in the Bible, we like to call them events because they're not stories, they're actual events that took place. But sometimes as we read our Bibles, we just, our imaginations are a little limited. And we don't let ourselves really go as far as it should be to really imagine what it might have been like for those people that followed God blindly. Because it was accounted unto Abraham for righteousness because he believed God. Romans says, who against hope believed in hope that no matter what God promised, he was able to yes. perform. Well, in the 17th chapter of Genesis, he fell on his face and laughed in the face of God when he said, you're going to have a child. And from your seed, your seed, the generations to come, the, as you can see this in the stars in the sky, and as there are sand grains on the beach, he goes, your descendants will cover the earth. Well, then after he made that such great promise, you know, and all of that, Abraham laughed in the face of God when he says, listen, I'm, I'm almost 100 years, and you're telling me Sarah and I are going to have a child? Well, in the natural, it was impossible. Their bodies were dead. But the thing is, they were in covenant with a God who can do more than what yes. he could figure out. Because not only he as God, as Jehovah Elohim, is the creator of all natural things and all natural laws, as El Shaddai, 
the one who can supersede, reverse, accelerate, and override natural laws. He can do with natural laws whatever he wants to do with it, just like he did for Joshua when he was in that battle. He was in fighting that war, and he needed just a little bit more daylight. And so this, com- this covenant man of God stepped out of his tent out of his tent and said, Sun, moon, stand still. And for 24 hours, the sun and the moon. Well, if it was only the sun and the moon that stood still, there would be totally chaos. So it had to be more than the sun and moon in order for the planets not to run into each other. So for 24 hours, God caused the whole universe to stand still because one man believed what God said. So Elohim can do with whatever... El Shaddai can do with whatever Elohim established and created. Are you all here today? So when Abraham and Sarah's bodies are completely dead, that's why Abraham laughed. This doesn't seem like a man fully persuaded that whatever God could do, he was willing to perform. He was able to perform. This sounds like a person said, I don't see how you can do it. So that's why God said, listen, Abram, Abraham, I'm El Shaddai. I'm not just creator. I'm the one who can supersede natural laws. And I can enable you, empower you. I can anoint you. My hand will come upon you to do things you could have never done on your own. So we need to let ourselves, let our imaginations get stirred up a little bit and say, what could this have been like if after this great promise that Finally, Abram has his own son with Sarah. This is the son of promise. This is where all of us got here. And now God is about to tell Abraham, give him up. Offer him up as a sacrifice. Take his life. Put him on an offer. Take his life. Wow. So here in the... The 22nd chapter, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah Moriah, and offer him there a burnt offering on one of the mountains on which I shall tell you. Verse 3 says, so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place. Everyone say, the place. This is the word of the Lord for you, Impact Life Church. The place. God's sending you to a place. A place on which God hath told him. It goes on and say, and now, now skipping down to verse 8, it says, And Abraham said, My son, God will provide him. You know, Isaac is seeing the wood. He's seeing the rope. He's seeing everything necessary for a sacrifice to give to God, but there's no animal. And it's dawning on him. It's looking like he's the sacrifice. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide, because Isaac said, Lord, where's the sacrifice? And Abram said, my son, God. He said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place. 
Everyone say, they came to the place. Now, we're going to go ahead and skip down. Verse 14, it says, And Abraham called the name of the place, The Lord Will Provide. And Abraham called the name of the place. Everyone say, Abraham called the name of the place. The Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Not only is God's name Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. Not only is that one of his redemptive names, you have Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Elohim, Jehovah El Shaddai. But here we all love Jehovah Jireh, our provider. But my God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. We have learned, for, and a lot of you, that's one of the most thankful parts about your life and your relationship with him is you know he's your loving heavenly father. He says, if I took care of the birds, uh, you know, in the air and I took care of the lilies in the field, he goes, how much more mindfully I am of you that I'll take care of you. If you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. So we've learned Jehovah Jireh is not only a redemptive name of God and a, and a and an invitation to be able to look to God as your provider, but then there's also a place that he will send you, and in a place can be called Jehovah Jireh. So Jehovah Jireh isn't just a name, it's a place. And in your future move to this next church, to this next church building, there's a place. I believe the Lord has sent me to tell you you're getting ready to move into your place, a place of Jehovah Jireh. You're getting ready to move into a new dimension of provision. You're getting ready to move into a place because things are getting ready to be sped up. Things are getting ready to accelerate. Things are on the move. You haven't even been in a place where you could really grow like you could grow. But when you move into this place, you're about to see expansion and things are going to increase numerically, but also spiritually. Things are going to be able to, to, to take shape like you haven't seen it before. But in the place, there is a provision. There's a pastor that told us in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, there's, a, there's a, a, a church member at this one church that he was a sports agent, and uh, he was a little frustrated being in Fort Wayne, Indiana. It, it wasn't the place where a lot of the sports agents were. A lot of them are in the bigger cities in Atlanta and, and L.A. and, and uh, Dallas. And this pastor said, this one uh, church member of ours, he, he was torn because he felt like his business could do better in another city. But the Lord told him, this is the place where I've sent you. And this is your pastor. And this is the place of your provision. And so he stayed with his pastor at the place where God had appointed him. And as a result, shortly after his commitment, he signed up somebody in the NFL, and his name was Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders, some of you, I saw some men smiling because how many of you know who Deion Sanders is? One of the most successful, highest paid, most successful running back in history. 
play for the Dallas Cowboys. And because this man said, I know where my place is, he committed to God to staying with his man of God in the place where God set him, and God caused the leading highest-ranked NFL player to sign up with a sports agent in Fort Wayne, Indiana. The place that God sets you, the place that God places you, the, the place where you're supposed to be is the place where God will meet your need. That's right. Hallelujah. That's right. Hallelujah. Now, see, there's times when you'll be tested on that. There's times when your flesh will not want to see that. But we're, we're coming into a time we need to see differently. We need to move with the cloud. We need to move by the pillar of fire by night. We need to trust the leadings and operations. We need to not be adrift and just kind of reserving God and the person of the Holy Spirit to Sunday morning only. God wants to do life with you, not just to you. Hallelujah. But there's a place that God wants to take you to, and in that place is everything you will ever need. You're going to go there together. And there's something amazing about what people can do together when they're in one mind in one accord. And they don't let strife enter in. Because there will be all kinds of tests thrown at you. I've been in the ministry now, the full-time traveling ministry for 42 years. I'm a professional visitor. What I do for a living for 42 years is visiting churches. The hand of the Lord is... For you see, the hand of the Lord has come upon the... And the leader... And so as you see yourself in the... And you participate the vata, you'll come into the place of Prastiki and you'll see Prastata and you'll be able to go Pravate and you'll Prasili Vendambos. Go ahead. For the hand of the Lord is available and upon. The hand of the Lord is now coming upon, has been prophesied, has been moved upon, has been spoken of, but the time and the place is now. And so the hand of the Lord has come upon this ministry, upon this church and upon this body, but first has come upon the pastor. And when the hand of the Lord comes upon a man, when the hand of the Lord comes upon a man, extraordinary things are available and extraordinary things happen. And so the hand of the Lord has come upon this ministry for this time. And so get yourselves ready, even as Joshua told the people, in three days' time, get yourself ready, for we are about to possess our land. So just as the Lord said to Joshua, to the people, because the hand of the Lord came on him, just as that happened, get yourselves ready. Ready yourselves for the hand of the Lord to come upon you corporately and individually. For things have come into line for this time and for this place. 
And so as the leadership leads, so the company will follow in step. Ready yourselves. Stand at the ready, as it were. In military terms, we're at the ready, sir. We're ready to go. We're ready to move at your word. And so the hand of the Lord has come upon you for this time and for this place. Ready yourself. Lord, we receive. We receive your word. We receive your word. With unity of hearts. With one mind and one accord. We take you at your word. We receive your word. We will move with the Holy Spirit. We will put our trust in you. We will obey you. We will learn how to participate with you and not be moved by things and opposition and cares of this life, but we will move with you as we put our trust in you and as you lead us from one place to the next. We thank you, Lord, that that hand that you spoke about, as in the Old Testament of old, where the hand of the Lord would come upon those that you had for special service to do special things, that every time that your hand would come upon, the the church grew. There were increased numbers. There was enablements and there was empowerments. And there were things that we could do. There was things that they could do that it would be impossible to man. But with God, all things are possible. Just like when Samson had the anointing that would come upon him. And he could do things by the strength of the Lord that it was impossible for any man to do. When the hand of the Lord would come upon the prophet Elijah. When the hand of the Lord would come upon the prophet Elisha. They were able to do things, outrun a chariot. They could do something that was not human possible. But we thank you, Lord, that you're saying to us and you're showing us that there's a place. There's a place of provision. And in that provision, your hand will be seen upon us in a greater way. So we thank you, Father, as we move out in obedience, as we move out in our trust towards you, and as we move with the person of the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us, that we'll end up at the perfect place, at the perfect time, reaching our destinies, fulfilling our our assignments, and being able to do everything that you want us to do on this earth. We thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Pastor, I can be done or I can go another five or ten minutes. You tell me. How are you doing out there? If you have a, a roast cooking at home, if you'll offer it up as a burnt sacrifice, I'm just telling you, the Lord will be pleased. I'm just saying. No. Listen, I'm going to try to... It's funny. It took a while to get to what just happened. But I was talking to Pastor on the phone when we were talking about maybe back in January about setting up this meeting, and we're talking about something else really big. You know what I'm talking about, the other, the trio of me? It's going to be amazing. 
and we're going to do it in the new building. And, uh, <clears throat> but here's what I was sharing with Pastor, and he, he really grabbed a hold of this, and, and in the most briefest way, I'll, I'll tell you. You know, in Genesis 11th chapter, there were some people, they weren't God people. They didn't have a covenant with God. It's where we have the event of the Tower of Babel, where uh, these people got in one mind and one accord. And they all spoke the same things. And God took notice of how they were all speaking the same thing and how they were in unity. And as a result of that, God said about these heathens, nothing they would imagine to do would be impossible to them. You might be tempted to go, how can we accomplish to do things? If God... How can we do everything that God's going to show pastor what's ahead? How can we accomplish such bigger vision? How can that be? I know some things for you. I'm saying by the Spirit of God because of some things I know in the natural. You're going to be amazed and shocked, listen, about how big the provision is coming to you. It, I'm 100% on it. If God could say that about a bunch of heathens that nothing they would imagine to do, now follow me, what could he do with this church who is all in one agreement that has learned some things about speaking things out of your mouth, things that are in your heart and speaking? What could God do for this body of believers? if he would say that about a bunch of heathens. When people unite and get an agreement, book of Acts, they were all in one mind and one accord, and suddenly something happened. Paul and Silas in the midnight hour, they're in prison. Their hands are in stocks. Their feet are in stocks. There's prison doors. They begin to lift up their voice together. And as they, in one accord, lift up their voice, the earth shook. The prison doors flew open, and everyone's bands were loosed. Some of the most amazing things I have ever seen was when people corporately got together in one accord and began to magnify God. Brother Hagen had a service in Birmingham where we lived for 20 years. I'll never forget it as long as I live. We're worshiping. We're just magnifying God. But there was, we were all in sync. There was one mind, one accord in unity. There were five people sitting in wheelchairs on the platform because there was no other place to put them. As we're worshiping and magnifying God in one mind, in one accord, in unity, four out of five people got up out of their wheelchairs, walked right across the stage. Now listen, what we found out after the service that the first one out of his wheelchair had been paralyzed and couldn't walk for nine years. He was a drug dealer, and the cop that was in the building who knew the man was the one who shot the gun. And it lodged in his spine, and that's why he couldn't walk in nine years. 
when the anointing and the glory and the hand of the Lord came into that service on that group of people, four out of the five people got up out of their wheelchairs, walked across the platform. I saw it with my own eyes. There are things waiting for you, Impact Life Church. There are things where you're going. There are provisions that are getting ready to happen, and they're already beginning and are already set in motion. You don't quite see it yet, but it's already begun. And there's going to be many of you, like T. Osborne said, God's going to have to bless you to meet the needs of the church. One last thing. I used to wonder, Lord, I asked the Lord, Lord, why did you use David? David went through a lot of things, that shepherd boy. But he did some extraordinary things. Took the bear, took the lion. He smack-talked the (laughs) Philistine, that big giant, and said, I'm going to have your head on a platter today. Is that how you say it, smack-talk? Is that how you say it? So in his face, that giant, I thought, Lord, how could you do something so amazing through that little shepherd boy? And he said this to me, the Lord said, because he loved my presence. Do you love his presence? Do you love the presence of the Lord? Are are you willing to guard your heart against any offense that would keep you from your place of provision? You say, well, why do you say this? Because I was preaching about David one time, and the Holy Ghost, I mean, I wasn't expecting it, but he just brought it out. David, when he went to secure the ark, to bring the ark back to Israel, to to the temple, the new temple, he took 30,000 men to get that ark. But along the way, something happened. God gave David clear instructions, do not touch that ark. Well, Uzzah, David's right-hand man, touched it, and he got struck dead. You know what happened? David got offended at God. And because of his offense, he let the ark, the glory of God, the presence of God at Obadiah's house. And David says, months later, he's hearing about Obed-Edom and his family and the whole community and the whole town, the whole village. Boy, they're prospering. There were people, there were women that were barren. Now they're having kids. There were people that their crops were failing. Now their crops are flourishing. There was people, their cows weren't multiplying. Now the cows are multiplying. There is such abundance happening for Obed-Edom. And David said, what have I done? I gave that up because I got mad at God. I heard a minister say this, and I'll tell you this. There ought to be three people that should never offend you because it will cut you off of the supply of the place that God's sending you to. That is, not offended at God, not offended at your mate, and don't get offended at your pastor. Because it it will be the quickest thing to cut you off of the anointing. Don't get offended at either one of your brothers and sisters. Don't be questioning things. Just get behind things and and give everything up to God. Because David, he forfeited 
the very thing he loved because of just of a little offense. Guard your heart. Protect your ability to receive from God. Enter into the place where God's sending you and let Jehovah Jireh be your provider. God bless you, Pastor.